that we're all primed up for the podcast here. <sighs> primed. Fire okay. up. I think this will be a fun, fun episode. Okay. I hope not everybody just agrees and, you know, it's a kumbaya. You've got me fired up. I want to argue with someone. Uh, good. <laughs> okay, let's go. I'm going to disagree right. with the first thing you say. I love that. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome to the Better Building Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Ferry, and here with me today is Nick Taliska, Jim Pasquale, and Mark Sankey. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing the engineering quandary and how much practical knowledge is needed before you become an engineer. And I think that's a really great conversation to have because maybe I've seen, you know, completely opposite ends of the spectrum and then a whole lot of in between. And I don't know, I guess, what the right amount of practical knowledge is necessary. Probably depends on what you're engineering too. I don't know. So we'll uh, kind of sort that out today, hopefully. To get started, I thought it would be beneficial to, you know, for I assume our listeners know, but, you know, to define what an engineer is, so I just went to the internet and, you know, an engineer per the dictionary is a person who, a person whose job is to design or build machines, engines, or electrical equipment, or things such as roads, railroads, and bridges using scientific principles. And I think that's really the, you know. I have to expand on that. Okay. And improve, maintain, restore, rejuvenate and breathe life into the potentially obsolete by adding wisdom, science, and technology. I think that's a great addition, yeah. Is that a custom job? Because I noticed Clayton's definition. He went to the internet, but he also literally went to the first thing the internet returned. Yeah. From Cambridge, which is fine. But Mark, your your addition, is that custom verbiage? You mean like original? Yes, original. Yeah, yeah. It sounded, I like it, I like it. Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe the next thing then for this is like, what is practical knowledge? I mean, I to, first to thought I was going to disagree. I'm sorry, but I first thought I was going to disagree completely with the whole premise of this because I thought, well, engineers are practitioners of engineering, so obviously it all must be practical knowledge. But yeah. I think I think I came around a little bit on this. I, I, I mean, if you take that angle, you could, but I think we're taking the like boots on the ground you know, get your hands dirty angle, maybe a little bit of understanding of that. I would even go back and say, this is a nature versus nurture question, because in my experience, you know, uh, basically the engineering and innate curiosity that engineering requires begins at a very young age in general for the best engineers and continues for a lifetime. The, the, the very best engineers that I know, uh, you know, started out early with, um, you know, how do things work? Take their toys apart. Yeah. Try and put their toys back together, uh, male or female or build things. And then they continue to expand and build on that practical knowledge for a lifetime. And the, by the time they're, you know, engineers and practitioners, the common sense is, you know, of an engineer, it runs so deep, it runs, it regulates every aspect of their life. Well, totally true. And I think Clayton was going to help us define practical knowledge, but I was curious if Jim, you had any other engineering definition thoughts from your perspective? I guess the big thing that always sticks with me is Um, I'm always comparing engineering, like engineers to scientists. And, uh, you know, the big thing is engineering is the application of science. At least that's kind of like the old school definition of it where, you know, and engineers aren't, uh, I mean, the engineers are definitely involved in research and development, but I'd say the majority of engineers that I know, and I think that in, in our field are more, we're applying existing um, science and existing technologies to real world applications and solving real world problems. Um, we're not necessarily coming up with new uh, science or in, in research and technology. We're, you know, for the most part, you know, a big a big role of ours is to take that science and now use our practical knowledge to make it actually do something of value, you know, for in the real world. I think that's the definition 
I like the best, the application of science and math to solve problems. I mean, at least that's what I kind of think of it as too. So yeah, I think then, oh, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Jim, but so like, if you take that angle, how much practical knowledge do you really need then? What is practical now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. What is not a... practical now? Yeah, exactly. What theory. is the, the quote unquote practical? Like, what is the, I mean, I get it. Like looking at, at this from in, in our field or, you know, my industry, we have a lot of um, systems interface. Like we're, you know, in the field working with complex mechanical systems, if you wanted to call it that or whatever. So to understand how it's built and, you know, um, operates is obviously very beneficial. But then sometimes on the other hand, I'm like, well, I don't need to know anything about anything. As long as I know how to do thermodynamics for, you know, my heat exchanger, doesn't matter what else is going around in the world. <laughs> well, that's your or heat transfer. Right you know what I mean? Sure. What's that? If that's kind of your your boundary of what your focus is, right, 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 heat exchanger, so to speak. Yeah. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there and let you guys take. A look. You, is the opposite of practical knowledge theoretical knowledge? Is it that clean? Could be. I mean, well, I don't know. You're the host. I don't know if it's. <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, the opposite, but the the two are def the two definitely have a relationship. I would say. Um, let me throw you another equation then. Would theoretical knowledge plus experience equal practical knowledge? Mm, or is it just I, experience? I don't know. <laughs> well, I think, I think, Nick, you're right. Because simply because an engineer hasn't done something doesn't mean he hasn't taken, he or she hasn't taken the time to uh, become skilled or versed at least in um you know this go back goes back to our getting better podcast that um breadth of knowledge and depth of knowledge so somebody can go ahead and say well i've never done this but i read about it i you know i see how the math and science works so we can probably apply it with success in this manner and i think that's what you know you always take your practical knowledge and or your theoretical knowledge and continue to expand on those by application. I like it. Uh, yeah, very much. Okay. That was very clear. <laughs> we could like end this podcast now, I guess it's all we no, no, I don't know. Another clarification. <laughs> We're talking lowercase engineer, right? We're not talking state sanctioned because there is very defined, right? You do need practical experience right for five years before you apply take the test oh yeah 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 we did yeah. a podcast on six this six I, yeah different in new york yeah yep yep i would agree with that yeah so i mean that's like what we're talking about we're talking about an engineer and the just general like definition. yeah and like what comes to my mind is um you know the the engineer that's designing um I don't know, a piece of automation equipment for an assembly line, you know, at a manufacturing plant and they don't understand welding or machining and tolerance stack up or like something, you know, I know my, my classic definition is like the engineer that designed something that you physically can't weld, right? Like, oh, I call out a weld here, but it, you just, you can't because whatever you can't, you know what I mean? Oh, Totally. So that's kind of like, that's where my mind went in, in this conversation at like a very basic level. Like you have to understand basic building principles, if you want to call that. Like I have to understand how the welder needs to weld this thing or the machinist, like, like I said, tolerance stack up. Oh, if I call it to be, you know, one inch and 10 thousandths, like you might get 15 thousandths or five thousandths of you know plus or minus and if you do that six times with six different parts at the end you might not be where you need to be you know what i mean so and that totally comes with experience too but that's like in the mechanical world that's kind of where my mind goes or even like laying out you know piping for some you, you got to understand somebody's got to build this 
that's where my mind went, Clayton, just now when uh, I think about my early experience auditing buildings, right? And coming mm -hmm. up with, uh, you know, energy conservation measures. And a lot of them were just completely unbuildable. Right. <laughs> as, as the project manager would let me know. Yeah. Like, how do you think we're going to get these boilers out? The building was literally built around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. You know, and his, job, and his point was, it's going to be expensive. You know, so before you go too nuts down this road with right. telling me how much it's going to save, why don't you bring your project manager out and we can both work through this. So that was like a huge thing in my, you know, development as a young engineer. Right. right. Constructability is a pretty big deal. Yep. I think, I think that's like just one of the first obvious examples of practical knowledge in right. HVAC is do you have, first of all, do you have room to install whatever equipment you're putting in there? Is, and is there a path to get it there in and out? I, I think that's kind of like the first example, an obvious one that comes to mind of practical knowledge that, you know, that's something that your theoretical knowledge and education might not go there. But one of the first things you'll learn early on, I would hope is that things that seem obvious to us now, but may not be the first thing you're thinking of. You're just immediately, when you're first time in the field, you're new to the job and you're, you're jumping right into the calculations and getting into it, mm -hmm. catting things up. And then your beautiful equipment's in jail, you know, or it's <laughs> can't get in there to begin with, you know, yeah. are there doors to this boiler room, double doors? Is there a step down? How are they actually going to get this massive cast iron boiler down there? You know, like, it sounds like you're just picking on me now, Jim. I'm picking <laughs> on my early self. Every time you hear me say something like that, I'm, I'm picking on, I'm picking on me from, well, I guess it's a long, not that long ago, but to all my clients, I've learned these lessons. Well, and that kind of ties in with to like the experience and even secondhand experience and thirdhand experience. I didn't need to necessarily uh, build a boiler plant or do a retrofit like that, you know, with the construction crew to understand that this wouldn't work. But I did need somebody that had that knowledge to impart that to me in a very gentle way. Well, he wasn't that gentle about it, but that's okay. <laughs> But like it seems like where we're where where we're leaning towards is like that is in a way the anticipated growth as a quote unquote young engineer or whatever too. Like you don't need to understand all of this from the get go. Like getting out of college, right? I mean, that's get out of college. You you do learn a lot of this in the field in your experience. So you you understand the engineering fun principles and fundamentals. But in college, it doesn't seem like you necessarily learn the application of it all the time or the physical application of it. Whereas like, that's kind of learned in industry as they would say. So don't know where I'm going with that, but maybe well, uh, your practical knowledge it. doesn't have to be super deep getting as to start as an engineer. I'll give you a, a real world example. So my wife and I were uh, helping uh, an older person uh, renovate a room and uh, one of the participants was a new electrical engineering graduate. Uh, so we uh, delegated to him the responsibility to change one of the light fixtures. Okay. So first thing is turn off the power, flip the switch or turn off the breaker. Right. So, yep. and we went on to other things, came back and the uh, commissioning agent that would be my wife she asked, what's this? And she's pointing at the wires that are pinched between the ceiling and the fixture sticking mm -hmm. out underneath the, uh, the cover. So it's a shock hazard, fired hazard, just plain hazard aside from being unsightly. And the response was, oh, I didn't think it mattered. They're insulated. Well, <laughs> no practical knowledge, zero, zip, none. Right. I don't know. But <laughs> there's some other things going on there too, Mark. But but I'll be devil's advocate. He me like depending on what he does, maybe he doesn't need to know any of that. I don't know. Like you, you... whoa, 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 no, <laughs> missed the first part. I think what? Like, what was his credentials going into this project, Mark? He's a graduate electrical engineer. Yeah, <gasps> yeah, not a not a licensed engineer, but graduate. But he could like, he could probably know. size the wire required for the you know whatever load I don't know but maybe he just 
you know what I mean? Like, where do you draw that line? It, it's, um, it's, uh, I don't look at it as technical. I look at it as like somebody walking around with their shirt tail, uh, poking through their fly in their pants, like to be it. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, just, it's just, I it's just know. like a general qualification to be like a, a human in society. You got to know how to do some of this stuff. Well, yeah. It, it, it kind of like <laughs> saying the fire hazard, a safety hazard. I'd yeah. be like, saying it's the unsightly part of it look at that are you kidding me <laughs> so i'm yeah i'm sorry you know why he apologized then? I, don't know. I don't know i'm not sorry <laughs> damn it i'm not sorry <laughs> okay good good example practical knowledge lacking yeah yeah despite yeah. the theoretical he's probably very he could have graduated with a 4.0 you know pretty close yeah seems to so, great example of how much because you can do a lot of right you can do a lot of practical engineering in college I, I remember there being a lot of labs and stuff for me i didn't quite understand what we were doing right i didn't make the i wasn't paying attention but the connection but i remember all these heat transfer labs and stuff and tubes and temperatures and all this stuff and we did robotics and all that uh yeah so that was very hands-on so i think that was helping bridge that gap between theory and practice right mm, sure maybe Art. like okay. i think it's so it's so compartmentalized that it doesn't <laughs> it's banned oh i don't know like you're gonna go to you're gonna go to your your uh whatever heat transfer lab right and like you're gonna sit at a table or whatever and you're gonna do like you, it's very it's you draw you one little box around whatever you're doing heat transfer for and you have like you're not exposed to any you're not even exposed to like the real world application of it you're just learning like heat transfer so i don't know like i don't know if the labs are necessarily the best place for that for some colleges well, a, i think it's a it's a good start though i would think you know I, yeah I, I mean i don't disagree with that but like um you know i would almost like to see for practical knowledge like take your students through a chilled water plant or a boiler plant because that's better for them yeah then I, I totally agree to then to play on the little you know on your table heating up some water and then like stick an ice cube in it and watch your temperature and then why does it stay at you know 212 until face you know what i mean like stuff like that um believe me this particular example and, and mark may recall it or not but as a young engineer i was assigned to you know procure a heat exchanger or whatever and I think I spent most of the day with like log mean temperature differential. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Like, like exactly. They go back in the heat transfer lab. Yeah. Mark came back. He's like, you got it ordered? I'm like, what? No, I'm still working these calculations. <laughs> like, call Dave and tell him, you know, <laughs> yeah, you want this going in, you want this going out? And it's a glycol solution to what percent? And then, you know, that was it. So there was definitely that uh, gap between what I how I felt I needed to apply my theoretical knowledge. That is a disgustingly accurate example that I have also done. Hilariously oh. example. Oh my gosh. Or even the, um, you know, and we've had this conversations in different podcasts. So sorry for our listeners, but like, you know, the, um, you are not, oh, what is it? Not GPM what's the, times 500 times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the, yeah, yeah, that's that's the short way of doing it. The long way, you know, the the collegiate way is um, uh, M dot CP delta T. You know, never you just you know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh yeah, I absolutely I mean it's what a great shortcut. Yeah, which you got to learn the and, and now I'm getting like I think in the weeds completely of like this conversation, but um, you know I understand you have to you you need to understand that before you can learn the shortcut because if you know just the shortcut and you don't understand the basis behind it you're no, not I would doing totally agree service on that. I mean, but units and everything and why does this equation yeah. make sense absolutely but to go back to the practical knowledge like i think it, it, you know you'll get some good practical knowledge like just being at a facility at a site whatever you know or going in a manufacturing plant because i know not all college graduates get in the hvac world but like that's where you really get a lot of practical knowledge and i like yeah you have to be like mark said that's got to be your personality like growing up i was always taking crap apart and you know trying to fix it and getting into trucks and cars and all that stuff and like 
that's kind of what, you know, that was my destined path, mechanical engineering from the beginning. So um, <laughs> my other question for like the, the group was, I know I'm on a rant, I'm all fired up this morning, <laughs> is like maybe the majority of engineers have that practical knowledge because of that. But I could be wrong too. But majority. I, so I'm gonna I'm gonna you know go back gonna get get in the way back machine. <laughs> I worked for Clayton. You might even know where was Seisner's Hardware still around when you were in Akron? No, never, oh, so never heard of that. My second job, actually four pay job, you know, with a, a real uh, paycheck, was at Seisner's Hardware when I was 14 years old. All right, so. I interfaced with customers. I interfaced with the, you know, the owners, and I got jobs like, okay, cut this pipe and thread it, and it needs, you know, or, you know, they need to, you know, all these bolts, and they need, you know, electrical switches, and it needs to be rated for this amperage. I was fourteen. Yeah. And it was what? It was an entry level minimum wage job, but my purpose in being there was not just to make a living wage it was to learn practical experience no more do we go into an ace hardware store and try and find somebody under 18 it's not happening right so mm. even at that young age now i already knew how to thread pipe and you know uh, thread pitch and all that kind of stuff from you know hands-on experience in addition to that but we don't have those kinds of opportunities for young people anymore unless you go to the Votech. I didn't go to the Votech. It was one of those things where, hey, you, you know, you have the ability to broaden your skill set so that you can work on lawnmowers and uh, drag them out of the trash, refurbish them, and sell them for 20 bucks a piece. I mean, I just am very frustrated by the limitations that and the boundaries that society puts on things to say, here's what you need to do. Well, listen, the more you can expose kids, uh, you know, young adults to those kinds of opportunities, give them responsibility, they will learn. Absolutely. Okay. First, <laughs> so nice, Mark. Uh, second, I think we should have a, a featured part of the podcast, Mark's Wayback Machine. I really like the <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it's so true that the world, I mean, the world runs on most of you know, the practical knowledge, right? That's how the economy is built, the exchange of, you know, applying your expertise and your skills to doing something. The theoretical knowledge is almost like, I don't know, maybe the guide rails of all of that or the boundaries or so. But uh, yeah, so many important things there. I mean, but also you could put a person in a room you know, in a machine shop for a couple of days and say, gain some practical knowledge, but they just won't unless there's one other resource there, which is another human being. I mean, isn't that really what guides this transfer of practical knowledge? Yes. 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 Ooh, nice. I think the whole master and apprentice thing has kind of lost its way a little bit, but it's very, you know, um, you know, whatever journeyman, whatever. Like, I feel like when you first start out, you need to have that good mentor, the experienced person with practical knowledge to pass it down, you know, in a, a safe and responsible way, you know, that way you're able to grow. Um, and, and cause you know, you, you can't, you don't just walk on the job and just start and have all this practical knowledge. It comes with time. You have to learn from experience and hopefully from experienced people that have, 20, 30 years on a job before you to be able to pass that on. Um, you know, and just to kind of go back to, you know, Mark, what you were saying earlier, I know, at least in my experience, you know, coming with, with an engineering education and background, I have all that theoretical knowledge, you know, I get to the job and, um, you know, for me, I'm a mechanical engineer, but half my degree was electrical. So I have a pretty good theoretical background in electrical engineering, but it never really, the electrical side of things never clicked for me until I've actually, you know, wired my own circuit at my house or, you know, went to some of my, I have a lot of family in the trades and helped them out and actually started 
you know, actually touching things with my hands and wiring things. Um, that that's when things just for me they it clicks, and not, then you truly understand it. And I think that's a big part of, like, maybe a big part of the definition of practical knowledge. Um, you know, wow. even for controls, like HVAC controls are very advanced. You know, we talk about them all the time. And, you know, where they are now, they're very advanced systems um, that require a lot of, you know, theoretical knowledge. And when you're drawing all these controls diagrams, it means one thing. But when just to go wire your own, you know, five or six wire residential thermostat, that could help you, even though it's a very simple thing to do. Once you do that, it could help maybe click some things for you that will activate some of that theoretical knowledge and help help you build on your practical knowledge. I don't know. I've got chills, Jim. That was, well, cause I had another thought as you're talking here. It's like, we're almost as young as we are. We're almost dinosaurs in a way. Like what, what role does virtual reality and augmented reality? Cause I started thinking about the d- digitalization of everything. So like designing something, then running a really cool simulation on it. Is that practical experience? And, you know, what we're talking about, we would say, no, you got to be out there. You got to be your feet on the ground, smelling it, touching it, right? Talking with people who have done it before, but maybe there's going to be a whole different level of what practical experience means in the next 10, 20 years with people being able to be immersive and be in a mechanical room and do all these things without being there. But would that be the same type of knowledge that maybe, you know, our experience Mark had? I don't know. That's an that's an interesting question because I I think I think there's practical now a different type of practical knowledge to be gained by you know having experience of running several simulations. Um, you know, if I if I if I'm just in Excel, maybe running a hourly analysis just in Excel, and I throw a graph up, and with practical knowledge and experience, I'm going to know if there's something way off or you know, expected behavior, um, you know, things like that. But that's a good question. I don't know. I think, I think that's, you know, this is tangential, but, you know, again, you guys say you're old. Well, I'm at least 10 or 15 years older than you. And, and what's interesting, particularly as Jim talked about controls and the sophistication, the basics still apply. The, the basics are the basics, how to tune a PID, how safeties are wired, how all those things happen. And, I mean, you know, I, I hate to mischaracterize, but in many, 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 many cases, we see slick graphics, lots of trends. And when you scrape away the first layer, well, yeah, if you look at these trends carefully, you'll see that PID is cycling with an amplitude of four degrees every seven seconds. I mean, those kinds of things look great, feel great. Yeah. Hey, everything's hunky dory, but in many situations can mask, uh, utter failure at the control loop level. I I agree with everything, but do you think we'll be tuning PID loops forever? No, I mean, at, at some We've point, I would imagine. We've been asking for self-tuning PIDs since the inception of DDC controls, and we still don't have it. Well, we've also been asking for flying suits and all that, but I, I'm, well, I'm just saying. My, point where nobody my short answer is it, not in my lifetime, I don't think. I think there still needs to be the fundamental skill set of controls technicians to be able to understand the time constants and even between identical mechanical systems um, you can't just plug in the same tuning parameters and expect peak performance yep i think the controls conversation is really where a lot of practical knowledge and theoretical knowledge is required too you know like that's where i would say you need the you need a lot of both to succeed on the, on the controls piece, mostly, Clayton? Yeah, yeah. Just to, since we're talking about that, I mean, you need yeah. to understand the 
the the behind the scenes and also the physical equipment you're controlling very well to do it right i would say but i guess that's, that's a key word right there the, the physical environment or system mm-hmm. yep 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 but like i said on the other hand some things you just you 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 obviously you can't learn all of it in college and you just need to struggle per se through it for a little while in industry and if you get so a good mentor that can show you your mistakes before they're actual mistakes you can learn from that or not you learn from your mistakes i don't know <laughs> and that's how you gain some practical knowledge assuming nobody dies or gets hurt or whatever you know some mistakes are okay to be had well and isn't that how things generally operate in organizations yeah you, know, you enter as a junior member with a little experience and you're partnered up and given challenges and you know things Ju- like that junior clayton that starts really happens what do you think you're, you're partnered up yeah well i don't know about partnered up but given a mentor at least i yeah. think that really happens uh, oh we triggered something it really happens, but i think it happens all the time now i think me and mark just got triggered Why? what's going on what i said i don't think it happens at all anymore extremely rare oh wow okay. maybe you think in our like our industry you would say i don't I think, think that i think that gets into a whole topic of like money scaling engineering and large corporations for smaller outfits uh, so interesting. So, I was just about to ask Clayton, what is the engineering quandary then? You know, like what we're talking <laughs> about, but that may be it right there. We talked about how important people are in this process of, you know, transferring practical knowledge or helping somebody gain it. And then you guys are saying this. Okay. So I, Nick, I have a question for you. Your children, what are their career aspirations? Uh, I don't know if we've really figured that out just yet. Okay. So do either or both have any familiarity with mechanical or electrical systems? Do they take their bicycles apart? Do they do any of that stuff? Of course. Yes, they do. Yeah. Okay. So, and I saw a picture of James D. Pasquale, the younger, with a psych chart not too long ago. I, w- I would wager a significant amount of money that of of the, the this your your uh, offspring both of you that they end up in a technical field of some kind hmm i don't I agree. know why i could already i could already see it my my exactly my the terror and why what, what what's the connection because of the, the connection the- is exposure at a young age What's dad doing? Dad's getting ready. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, what, you know, where's dad? Dad's building some stuff, and then you take them. By the time they're probably six or seven years old, they've been to a job site, I'm sure, and, you know, exposed to, you know. He's talking been to a job site. (laughs) No, you don't think so? Army lab or something? I don't know. Uh, Or or whatever you, it, it might be quite different i mean like i know you think that all engineers come home and then probably tinker in their garage or build stuff but i'm sure many don't and it's just what they do at work and so i i don't know if that theory will hold but we will know soon <laughs> enough oh that's a some good good input on both your uh, ends i don't know i think it's nature versus nurture engineers are not just uh they don't drop out of the sky and decide without exposure to the engineering field. They don't decide. I want to be an engineer. I've got a quick story, but maybe it's better at the end. No, tell it now. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it's curious. Cause I'm, I'm involved with, with our local schools here and some comprehensive planning, right? Three, yeah. three year plans. And I went to my first meeting the other day and at my table was this maybe 74 year old man, Bob. And, you know, we got talking, but it was funny at one point, there's an icebreaker kind of thing. Uh, they wanted us to find a picture on our phone of some, some something or someone that's important to us and share. Everybody brings out pictures of their family, blah, 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 grandchildren. He pulls out this picture of a computer that he was part of building like 25 years ago. And he says it's still in use by the Navy now. 
and like some strategic command stuff. And we didn't really have an opportunity to talk about it, but he also lamented part of what we're talking about, these like career uh, paths that, you know, the school is trying to help young students develop what their calling is in life or what careers, you know, more than a guidance counselor. And his big thing was, he says, I have a different theory on it. And he explained how he was always a tinkerer as a kid. He saw his father doing it. He always knew he'd grow up to be an engineer. And that's what he did, electrical engineer. But so he has this more of a theory about this innate type of drive as well in people that they're drawn towards different careers. Why are we talking about careers? <laughs> practical <laughs> knowledge. I don't know. <laughs> it's how much practical knowledge. I mean, if I if something broke when I was, you know, eight or nine or ten years old, uh, I would get a nod. Well, fix it. And that's it. Figure Although, it out. And I, I'd take it apart. Hey, I don't think this looks right. No, you're right. Here's what's wrong. And you know, by the time I was ten, I was going to the to the uh, small engine shop and buying plugs and points and you know stuff like that. I don't know. I, no, I, just, I agree. And making a lot of mistakes along the way. Too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Not oh, yeah. Necessarily holding your hand and showing you how to do no. it. But sometimes it is that just direction. Go figure it out. That's right. what I had to do. So Go I got figure out. Give me a heat exchanger. I want it by the end of the day. <laughs> I'm on it, boss. <laughs> I um, I'll give you some input too. Then, and I mean, Jim probably will maybe can too. But like, so you know what they do in college now, and I don't know probably for how far back when they did is you know your first day, everybody introduces themselves and says a little something about them, right? It's first day, Clayton at Alfred. Hi, I'm Clayton. I like hunting and fishing and working on stuff. And if that was the 99% of every male in, love it. you know, my engineer, but like, I don't know. So it, I think it, it is like what we're kind of saying. It is kind of like the innate curiosity and it, it like, that's the general path, right? We, I don't know. Like maybe Jim on your first day of classes at college, if they did that, I would have been the same. Yeah. I mean, if I think back to the, the introductions, you know, going around those labs and the different engineering classes, um, I, there's most, I mean, it wasn't everyone, yeah. but I would say it was a common theme. Um, you know, we had a lot of, at RIT, I just feel like we had a lot of guys from, uh, guys and girls from like farm towns. Yeah. That's the difference. I agree with that. That's where that happens. And it was you know, and they just seemed in a way, I kind of, uh, I'd say jealous or envious, but I just feel like they had so much more practical knowledge off the bat than I did. Cause I didn't come from a farm town. I wasn't, you know, welding every day. Um, you know, like they, you didn't have to they, weld your bike together they, to get to school the next a, day. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of these labs, they had a step up like, or they had a, a they were a step ahead especially like some of the materials and uh, manufacturing processes, um, you know, a, a lot of them. And it, and it showed that they had that, that little, you know, they, they've already been there to where they've had to figure things out. You know, they're on, you know, their family farm or whatever it is. Um, and they've already been in a situation to where, you know, it's on them. They have a responsibility to, Get, get something done and whether that means understanding how something works and understanding how to fix it you know that was just that was evident in a lot of people in, in a lot of my classes and then at the other end of that there was also the other end of the spectrum where you know there was a lot of you know part of i i believe a part of uh getting your undergraduate in engineering is just kind of filtering out the people that don't have that innate curiosity of how things work yeah because if to make it through an engineering curriculum you you're going to need to have that drive. You know, you, there's like a minimum, you're going to have that, like you need that little, there's like a minimum like intelligent intelligence and curiosity that you have to have to make it through that curriculum. I kind of, so I think by the, mm. when you make it out of there, there should be some sort of minimum uh, curiosity and just kind of natural ability um, for problem solving and engineering. Um because a lot of those kids at the other end of the spectrum, I didn't see them towards senior year. Yeah, you're right. You know, it filters itself out pretty quick. Yeah. 
which is all right. I mean, some people just find out that, oh, this is not really what I'm interested in or I'm not yeah, a good sure. fit for this. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Don't forget, Nick, you know, day one of uh, our, our Clarkson uh, Pier at the job site where he just said, this isn't for me. Yes, I, I, I respected what? that. That was a pretty quick decision. Without naming names. <laughs> I, I'd like to think it doesn't have anything to do with his company but that we were keeping with him. But, yeah, no. <laughs> hey, it's not all for everybody. I mean, I think Jim encapsulated it beautifully. I mean, and, you know, you got to have that some kind of starting, well, gain some intelligence, but then that curiosity is what, that's like the motive force behind a lot of, I guess, anybody in any field, really. Right? It just it's sounds so cliche, though, to me. It does. It does. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm an engineer. I like taking things apart. Oh, yeah. Great. I don't know. <laughs> but in my mind, there's a purpose to it. Yeah. It's not that I like taking things apart. It's a, I like to be self-sufficient. Yeah. I yeah. It, I agree I with that. I know how to maintain it, repair it, make it last a long time in good working order and improve it. And I mean, that's just the, I don't know. Yeah. I'm probably less on that spectrum than you guys. I mean, I do have a natural curiosity, but I have a lot of curiosities about a lot of different things. So, sure. Right. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of people do expect that I could probably do more things than I'm actually capable of doing because I'm a quote unquote engineer, you know, but I've learned to live with that. But on the other <laughs> hand, you can like there. Now that's not the only part as a practical knowledge. Obviously, you got to be able to apply the theories and principles and calculations and Excel and CAD and all that. I mean, you, some people are really, 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 really good at the practical knowledge, and then instead of becoming an engineer, they become a mechanic because they don't like the other half of it or whatever percentage. Oh, totally, too. absolutely. So, you know, it's just, it's a balance. You got to have some, what, the whole point of this podcast is to find out how much, and I have no idea <laughs> after leaving this, we all kind of just, it's a vague, you got to kind of have some curiosity and get your hands dirty, but you don't need too much. You just can't have well, none. to become, yeah, you know, to yeah, become yeah, yeah. an engineer, I guess. Yeah. Uh, like to me, like it become an engineer is like graduated college first day on the job, you know? How much of that background do you need? Maybe I'd sum it up and say to become an engineer, you don't need a huge amount of practical and uh, practical knowledge, but to engineer, you certainly do need a whole lot of practical knowledge. Yeah. Well, so I, I think, think there's responsibility back. that goes with that too, no matter what you're engineering, but. I think it goes back to what I said at the beginning. There's no such thing as too much. The very best engineers continue to expand and build on their practical knowledge. Absolutely. Which just yeah. takes time, too, yeah. As far as too, there can't be too much practical knowledge. Right. I think there can be too much theoretical knowledge. What well, gets in the way? Yes, absolutely. Interesting. Boom. <laughs> Done. Everybody, everybody got now it. our listeners are just, they know exactly. They know you know, this is what I need. I, I, I think, so I'm, I'm going to take a step back too. I think there is, uh, you know, it depends. In some cases, um, practical knowledge happens by accident. And in some cases, people say, listen, I don't know how to do this. Will you show me how this works? And that is a deciding factor in terms of, are we measuring it in calendar years or weeks or months so the more you ask those questions show me how it works or explain how this works or why you know, yeah being out in the field and keeping your eyes and ears open and ask questions that i mean most of the time folks like to share that with you here's how it works and then you say oh that's pretty cool even going back you know we went um, to a museum not too long ago spent an entire day uh, looking at, you know, barely steam and some electric powered equipment. And the explanations as to how some of those pieces of equipment worked are just, uh, you know, elegant and simple, but not immediately obvious. 
You just have to ask questions and that will accelerate your time to gain practical knowledge. Oh, okay. I'm going to just drop the, well, it's not the bomb or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But so I think you're assuming that your employer allows you to be on site to do that stuff too. I think a lot of corporate places won't. So you're just stuck in your little cube drawn. Ooh. Because it's not in the budget. I don't know. Okay, you're, you're talking about like a design engineer who really doesn't have, I guess, or somebody wouldn't have a need to actually be out in the field. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is probably a lot of people. I mean, it, okay. yeah. But what, I mean. I don't know what I'm solving by bringing like that up. I'm just all over again. Cause that's like, <laughs> he's going to have, or she is going to have her, his or her practical knowledge in what they do, but do they need to have practical knowledge in how this is going to be maintained in three years? Technically yes. no. Oh, yes. see, that's why it's a quandary. Yeah. <laughs> I think I don't want to get lost on, on Mark. I think, just I don't know if it's it's definitely related, but the best way to acquire practical knowledge, and you talked about now a lot of companies aren't providing that mentorship, formal or informal, and helping grow those people. But it's really if you want practical knowledge, it's your responsibility to ask for it. I mean, ask somebody, and Mark's totally right. Everybody wants to share what they know, and everybody knows something you don't know. So I think that. Well, Mark said should be moved to the front of the podcast, and that's it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I just think if you're some in some positions, you might say, I want to go see this. We'd be like, no, can't afford it. You gotta go go back to your cube. <laughs> you would <laughs> yes, you guys would know more than I would I'm sure that happens all the time. Maybe maybe people don't want to go see it, you know, like hey, that's I'm true too. Designing these uh Whatever these stents, I'd really love to go witness uh, open heart surgery. <laughs> and maybe they do that. I mean, I would hope so. They do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's a pretty good example, Nick. Hope they're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So your point is well taken. So how do, yeah, well, that's the, yeah, that's the question. Maybe that's part of when you're, you're, you know, dating for an employer, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the things you t- you ask about or ask other people about, but I don't know. So I don't know. Do we do we wrap this podcast up? Do we come to a consensus? I hopefully no. as a li- I know. Hopefully oh, as a listener, you can close. you can you maybe agree. I don't know. I like guess as a listener, where do you guys stand? Maybe shoot us a comment or something, or if you have an opinion, let us know. Write but, us a letter. Write like. us a letter. Yeah. Um, we, we, we all understand that practical knowledge is required to some extent. And I think it's very, you know, field based and industry based and how much you really need and what you're doing and what your constraints are and what your goals are. But, ah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought we were going to say you need this much, but we didn't. I, I'm going to expand a little bit on the request for feedback because, uh, in my younger years, I used to listen to Click and Clack. The oh, my gosh. Brothers. Mark. Yeah. What? I know what you're going to say, and I'm writing something down, too. I'm going to write so, my answer, and I'm, I know I'm thinking the same thing you are. So it would be really interesting to get some feedback and questions from people that have problems or opinions about – and Click and Clack – by the way, all of their opinions and recommendations came from what? Practical knowledge. So I, I just think, you know, they were, they predated podcasts and were really uh, helpful to many people and entertaining to listen to as well. That's what you're going to say? Yeah. Oh, I thought of them because I was an avid listener as well. When we were saying, uh, send us your answers or feedback or whatever, and I said, write a letter. They would have those like quizzes, yeah. whatever, and they'd say, send us your answer on a 30-foot mahogany catamaran or something. Exactly. Or write your answer on the back of a $20 bill and send it to box 223, Boston, Massachusetts. I don't know. I always thought it was funny. Oh, so we're going to have to do like a uh, podcast question? Well, we can do a podcast answer. question. And if, you're, if it's a really good question, come on and join the podcast. Yeah. 
Ooh. Like that. Stay tuned for next week's episode with the podcast question then. For our listeners. I'll be there. <laughs> I think we got to wrap this podcast up though, guys. I don't want to confuse anybody. We 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 got in the weeds, we came back out, you know, uh, very I don't know. I, I I just don't know what the right answer is to the engineering quandary. And maybe our listeners will have some input on that. I think we all made good points. That makes sense. But we all kind of come from the same background in a way. We're similar. So I don't know. Before you sign off, can I just interject? I just looked up what quandary actually means. Uh-huh. And one definition says a practical dilemma. There you go. Isn't that very interesting? That word is in there. It is. The irony. (laughs) That's all all I got. So with with that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in as listeners. Uh, Hope you like the podcast. If you've been, you know, consistently listening. Sorry, we took a break for a little while. We're going to try to get more consistent with our episode scheduling again. And stay tuned for the next episode, um, which is TBD. So we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. Everybody have a great day and thank you for tuning in.